You're listening to the Christian Post Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Showalter. Spirit guides, astrology, the quote-unquote higher self, raising the kundalini, developing psychic abilities, praying to gurus, astral travel, numerology, tarot cards, contacting the dead, and hanging out with witches in their coven. All of these occultic practices and experiences and more were part of the journey of my guest today, who is now a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. To conclude our multi-part series on the occult and various kinds of cults, I'm speaking with Marsha Montenegro, a former astrologer of 10 years, and her story is truly remarkable. And Today she's a member of Cherrydale Baptist Church in Arlington, Virginia, and runs a website and ministry called Christian Answers for the New Age. She is also the author of a book called Spellbound, The Paranormal Seduction of Today's Kids. And while Marsha was mired in all kinds of occultism, In what proved to be God's providential intervention, Marcia experienced an unexplained compulsion to go to a church, a feeling which gripped her one spring. Despite her great distaste for Christians and Christianity at the time, she nevertheless yielded to it and went to a church in downtown Atlanta, where during the first few moments of the service, she encountered the love of God by the Holy Spirit and was never the same again. I cannot wait to hear more about this. Marsha Montenegro, welcome to the CP Podcast. I'm so great to have you on. Hello, Brandon. Thank you so much for having me. Really, it's, I'm just so grateful to have you, and it's, uh, I, I can't think of a better person to conclude this series that we've been doing uh, in light of your comprehensive knowledge of the occult. And we, Marsha and I, to my listeners, I just want to say that Marsha and I have corresponded some, and we've been chatting in recent weeks, and we're really go- you're going to get a a four-course dinner today uh, with her, her background and her knowledge of all of this. Um, and Marsha, as you remember, I've interviewed to start this series off with our friend Stephen Bancars, who was more of a New Age writer type, and then a former Mormon and a former Jehovah's Witness, which were also really great interviews. But you've got a background, like I just said in the introduction, where you were dabbling in a whole host of things, and so you know this stuff front to back. To start us off, as we have with the previous guests, tell us your story, the basic version of it, the distilled version, and how did you get involved in uh, the occult, and how did you become an astrologer? And sort of give us the, like I, like I said, the bullet point version of what led you to this moment where you encountered the love of God in that church that one day. Okay, all right. I will be leaving a lot out. I want people to know to, uh, in order not to make it too lengthy, but... Uh, Yes, I think my interest was back in high school. I was interested in astrology and somewhat interested in the supernatural. And at the same time, I was attending um, a church, but even though I went pretty much every week, I did not understand the gospel. Um, I mean, I think if you had asked me what it was, I, I don't think I would have known how to answer um, because I didn't really understand what that meant. And I'm not saying the church didn't preach it, but for whatever reason, I was not hearing it. Um, and I got very disillusioned for many reasons with Christianity and decided around age 15 or 16 that I would explore other areas when I got away from home and I was in college. Um, I was not really in a Christian home. My father was an agnostic. My mother it was what I would call a nominal Christian, but she did um, make my sister and myself go to church. So 
that's why I was going to church. When I got into college and I was a little more free to explore, I also got interested in Eastern religions in college in my freshman year. And that interest continued. I didn't really have time to explore it, but it was there. Um, I had some what I would consider to be paranormal experiences in college that increased my interest in that area. And after college, I had more time to look into those things. So I did reading. You know, I was reading things. I went to a few psychics. Um, I My interest in astrology was always constant. And even in college, uh, my friends would come to me to ask me for this kind of general advice like, um, you know, I'm a Sagittarius and my boyfriend's a Gemini, you know, is that a good match? And that kind of thing. <laughs> so I was kind of like the, the dear Abby of the right. uh, for my friends. Um, although I didn't really know that much. Um, what I knew was pretty basic. So after several years of exploring and further experiences, some very powerful Um, I decided that I wanted to get more specific with my interests. Um, At the same time, my my interest in Eastern religions developed. So this was a very strong influence on me. So I can't leave that out, even though it sounds very different um, from my interest in the occult and the New Age. They definitely overlap. Um, And so I read books on Hindu beliefs and started believing in reincarnation. And then I got interested in a Tibetan Buddhist group in Atlanta where I was living at the time. I went to college in Florida, but I lived in Atlanta afterwards. And I, by going to this group, I learned to do the Eastern, the Tibetan Buddhist meditation, and I was getting teachings and and reading books. And after a while there, I I left that because of, um, I felt like this group was trying to recruit me, and I think they were, and I resisted that. So I had had also been interested in Zen Buddhism, so I kind of just switched over to Zen Buddhism, um, which I liked better because it wasn't as complex as Tibetan Buddhism is actually very animistic and occultic. Um, I don't know if a lot of people realize that. And so I went more towards Zen Buddhism, which appears to be more intellectual. Mm-hmm. And so while I was doing that, I was still having these experiences. And I took a class called Inner Light Consciousness. And that class introduced me to what the teacher called um, our spiritual master, uh, this the disembodied being, uh, more commonly known as a spirit guide. And that spirit guide stayed with me. I think I, you know, I had other guides. And in fact, right after that, or around that time, um, I started taking courses at this place in Atlanta called the Foundation for Truth, which is not there anymore. But at the time, it was a place that taught um, how to develop your psychic powers. It taught astrology, tarot cards, numerology. Um, It taught um, 
uh, past life regression. I took a class in that. And they had mediums there and psychics who were the teachers and the people who ran the organization. And so my teachers were all psychics or mediums. And I took a psychic um, development class, actually took several of them. And I also started an astrology class there. And that's how I started learning astrology because I was very drawn to astrology because uh, for a couple of reasons. One was I thought astrology would help me understand people. And of course, I'd had that interest, you know, back in high school and college. And secondly, I was intrigued by the symbols that were used in astrology and the hidden meanings, um, or supposed hidden meanings in the planets, much more than what there appeared to be. Mm -hmm. And so that drew me to study astrology, and actually the initial part of learning astrology is all math, is mostly math where you learn wow. how to calculate a chart. And I can tell you, and anyone who knows me well will tell you, math is my worst subject. <laughs> <laughs> I am absolutely horrible wow. at math. I struggled. I struggled in school with math terribly. I mean, I really struggled is the word. Um, and so this shows how dedicated I was that I learned the formulas you wow. had to learn to calculate the chart. And I was also doing the psychic development and I was also doing my Eastern meditation and, and reading Buddhist uh, type writings. You were so spiritually hungry. Areas, you were spiritually I, hungry. Well, I was, yes, mm -hmm. I was, I was very spiritually hungry. I would say that's true. And that was motivating me, of mm -hmm. course, to look into all these things. And they seemed to be providing answers. You know, to me, it was answering a lot of questions about who I was, what right. what is this world really about, what where am I going, you know, what's my purpose. So all of these things seem to be answered, although the answers were not always compatible or were not always the same. You know, it intrigued me, and I thought, well, I'll just keep searching, you know, because I'll with all of this information— I can get to the right answers. Mm -hmm. And so I continued that way. Atlanta had a special um, situation where in order to practice astrology legally, you had to have a business license if you were operating in the city limits. And to qualify to purchase that business license, you had to show that you passed a test. You either had to pass the test given nationally by the American Federation of Astrologers, or you could pass the test given by the Atlanta Board of Astrology Examiners, which had been set up in previous years by astrologers and the city council in Atlanta. So that and, that, and that was partly so the city could get revenue from the business license, and also they could then legally um, fine people who didn't have, you know, the license. So um, I think that was the interest on the part of the city and the astrologers wanted it because it gave them um, protected legal status. Mm -hmm. And so Atlanta is very unusual in that it has that situation. The only other city I had heard of that had some kind of legal license for astrologers was Las Vegas, 
I never looked into it, um, so I don't know anything about it. I had just heard that, and I heard they didn't have to take a test, but I don't know if that's true or not, and I don't know what the situation is now. So so Atlanta was a very unique unique place uh, for astrologers. And um, I took the exam. It was a seven. It's a seven hour exam. It's wow. not easy. Wow. You have to have memorized all the formulas for calculating the chart. You, they give you data. You cannot use. You were not allowed to have a calculator with you, and you had to just do it all by hand. And then they give you a chart to interpret, and you have to write out an interpretation as though you were speaking to the client as though you're talking to the person whose chart you're interpreting. So that was the exam. And believe me, I used every single minute of the seven hours and um, only half the people passed that every year. And I passed it and then I purchased my business license. And so then I was certified, a certified professional astrologer. Um, I started getting clients, and that continued, uh, you know, mostly word, word, of, word of mouth and clients returning clients because they would come back for updates or they would come back for compatibility charts with spouses, boyfriends, girlfriends, or children. Right. So that, you know, I continued to have people coming in and increase more and more. The word got out. And so I was very um, happy doing astrology. Um, I was working full time and doing it on the side at first, and then I was able to do it at home. Um, I was married at the time, so there was um, some income, of course, coming from my husband, however, who had a very somewhat of a low wage, you know, working class job, but we were, you know, we were existing on what we we made, I never made a lot of money at all. Um, but it was enough to kind of get by with his salary. And um, I was continuing to do the Eastern meditation and sometimes going to Zen Buddhist um, places where you would go to meditate with a Zen Buddhist teacher. Uh, and there were there was a few of these places um, in Atlanta that I went to, and also I was continuing my reading and interest in the other areas like um, you know the psychic abilities and numerology, and I had tarot cards, so I was completely immersed in that oh, world. Yeah. And of course, my friends were a lot of my friends were into the same thing. They were either astrologers or they were psychics or mediums or they did numerology or tarot cards, etc. So, you know, that was my kind of my world. Mm-hmm. And um my marriage um ended uh several years later and when that happened I lost, you know, the income that my husband had provided, uh, except for some money he was giving me for child support. Uh, so, um, I needed, you know, I knew I needed some additional income and that came, came about in a very strange way. One of my clients, oh, I was also teaching astrology. I forgot to say I had started teaching astrology and I was also on the board of astrology examiners for four years and I was 
the chairperson for the last three of those four years, and that's the board that formulated and graded the exam that I had taken. And so I was in the Astrological Society and um, in several um, on several committees, and eventually became president. But when um, my marriage ended and I had to find another job, one of my clients, who was also one of my astrology students, offered me a part-time job where he worked, and um, it was like a secret job. He wanted uh, to give me the birth data of the employees, and I, in return, would give him information on the employees uh, to help him understand them. Oh, wow. Um, and I think he was... Uh, truly a a kind person and he wanted he was he saw himself I think as sort of an enlightened employer Mm -hmm. you know that was a step beyond the usual employer and tried to understand his employees Um, but of course this could not be known made known to anybody I don't even think his secretary knew it um, so, wow. uh, you know, that's you, what I was. Do you think that for. happens? Do you think that happens a lot still to this day that, that, that there are employees no, out there? No, no, I think, this I think that was a fluke. I think that was, yeah, I think that was unusual. I mm-hmm. mean, there may be a few cases of it, but I think it's, unless company or something yeah. where that might be the norm. Right. I think in a mainstream place, I, I, yeah. I doubt you know, that would be extremely unusual. Yeah. Keep going. This is fascinating. Okay. Yeah. But you know, see this God was behind the scenes the whole time Mm. because he had me, he had me in that place for a reason. And so I was, um, there and still doing my astrology. And, um, after being there several months, um, I started getting a very, um, strange compulsion to go to a church uh, which of course seemed odd to me because I really had no desire to go. To one. So I couldn't understand why, why was I suddenly interested in churches, and um, I would pass them on the bus on the way down to this office to, in downtown Atlanta, and I would pass these churches, and I would look at them and sort of think like, "Well, I wonder what it's like to be in that church." It was very odd because this was all very alien to me. You know, mm-hmm. it was almost like. You know, an alien in outer space was sending me these weird thoughts. <laughs> wow. I didn't really, I didn't really think that was it, but you right. know, that's what it felt like. And so I, I just um, sort of like pushed it to the side, but it wouldn't go away, and mm-hmm. it continued. That started in spring. That probably started in April. It continued through the summer. In August, I went to an astrological conference in Eugene, Oregon, where I did some workshops. And I was surrounded by, it was an astrological slash new age conference because not everybody there was, um, most people there were astrologers, but there were people Mm -hmm. there who were into other areas. A lot, there was a lot of um, people into goddess and Wiccan Mm -hmm. religions, which was very big in Oregon at the time and probably still is. And um, uh, the man who put on the conference was a publisher of a magazine I had been writing for. And so I was at the conference and this was the second time that I was at the conference. And there were some strange things that happened there. I'm not going to go into because it would take too much time, but I came back to Atlanta after the conference and this urge to go to a church was so strong that I decided I would go to a church because I felt that 
it was probably something from a past life mm. and that it needed to be resolved. So I, I very reluctantly, uh, I remember sitting in the parking lot outside of a, of a large church that had a soup kitchen, which is why I chose that church. Mm-hmm. And it was near another church, and I was kind of torn between the two. And I finally went to this church with a soup kitchen, and um, I felt I would feel more out a fish out of water in the other church, which was a Roman Catholic church. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't have any Roman Catholic background, so I thought I would really be at sea there. So I went, I went to this church, which was an Episcopal church. Mm-hmm. And I was still a little bit at sea there because they used the Book of Common Prayer. I wasn't familiar with that. But I went in, of course, initially nothing was happening. And I just sat down on the edge of, of the aisle, you know, on a pew at the edge of the aisle so that I could leave. I sat in the back because my plan was to leave after about 15 minutes. Mm. That was my plan. Wow. And so the service began and everyone stood up and they played music and they had a procession from the back um, with a young boy carrying a cross in front of the procession. And as he walked by me, I felt this incredible, uh, what I call a waterfall of love falling on me. Um, and I knew this was from a personal God, uh, which I didn't believe in. See, this is what's so strange. It's like, I knew this was a personal God telling me he loved me, but I didn't really believe in him. So I, I I kind of just stood there and I, I was, I was quietly crying. And then I felt that I couldn't leave. So I stayed for the service. And um, I went home. I couldn't really process what had happened. But I did um, write in my diary that I was going to continue on my spiritual path, that I wasn't going to let anything take me away from that. So in some way, I must have known that this experience might be something that would take me away from what I believed. Mm. But I don't think I consciously understood that. So I continued going back to the church. And um, I was pretty comfortable there because the church was extremely Mm open-minded, very open-minded. And um, a few people there even wanted my business card. Wow. So I thought I could get more clients there. So that was another reason to keep going. (laughs) And and I can't actually remember if I did get any clients, but I felt like I could. So I um, was in a class and I was in a group of people adults who were planning to be baptized in the, in the Episcopal church and and baptized and confirmed as adults and, you know, become members. And I was in that group. Um, And I didn't know that I I actually said, well, I'm not planning on doing that. And, And they were like, that's okay. You can be in the group anyway. And um, I know we were reading scripture. The uh, minister was going through the Gospel of Mark, and I didn't understand it. But at at the end of every—I don't usually put this in my testimony, but I I really like this part. At the end of every session, we would read from the Book of Common Prayer, and what it was was a section in—I can't remember if it's in Matthew or Luke now. It's—I think it's Luke, where— the priest where they Joseph and Mary have brought Jesus right. to the temple and the priest 
says this kind of prayer or prophecy over Jesus that mine eyes have seen thy salvation. He's mm-hmm. actually addressing Israel. Mine eyes have seen thy salvation. And I and we would read that, but I didn't know who was saying it or I didn't know what it meant or what it was about. I had no idea, but yet it's something about it really had an effect on me. And also in the um, services in the church and the liturgy, which has a lot of prayers and scripture reading, every time they said the Lord Jesus Christ, it had this effect on me wow. that I, I, couldn't, I didn't name. understand. Yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't understand any of this. But what happened about um, six weeks after my first visit to the church is that I started getting an impression uh, that God did astrology. Say that again. And God I got an imp- God did not like astrology. Oh. And um, it was very strong. Mm. And um, I sort of just ignored it. You know, that was, that was, of course, the easiest thing for me to do. Well, I tried to ignore it, but it it wouldn't go away. And then it became an impression that God wanted me to give astrology up. Wow. The Holy, and Spirit. So I the didn't Holy, hear a the Holy Spirit was convicting you already. Yeah, but I didn't know that. Right, right. Um, I mean, if you'd asked me if I believed in the Holy Spirit, I probably would have said, no, I don't. Mm. So I I didn't understand any of this, and I but I just knew that it was happening and it was very real. I knew I wasn't imagining it. I knew I wasn't crazy. You know, I knew that. I mean, I was a completely sane person. I've never had any problems <laughs> mentally, right. and I I just didn't understand. I knew it was from God. I mm-hmm. knew it was from God. Wow. And so um, it became so powerful that I actually did make a decision to give astrology up. Wow. I went and talked to the rector. I told him what was going on and he was reading me passages from the old. And I was sitting there thinking, why is he reading this to me? You know, cause I don't. What part of the old Testament, what part of the old Testament was, I reading don't know. Him? Yeah. But it was passages probably about, about divination, divination and witchcraft and all that. The sin of rebel. Pro- yeah. I can imagine. Well, I don't think he mentioned witchcraft. He was reading about, I remember him telling me they used to look at the liver of animals to read, you know, to tell the future or stuff. And I was mm-hmm. sitting there thinking, well, I don't do that. You know, yeah. why are you telling me that? I mean, I was a vegetarian. I still mm-hmm. am a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I kind of got the gist of it, mm-hmm. that what I was doing was similar. Mm-hmm. And so I left deciding to give it up. And wow. so I did. And of course, I had to tell all my clients who called me that I couldn't do it anymore. So I won't go into all of that. Yeah. But what happened was, is that I felt, okay, during this time, I wasn't doing astrology, I should, I maybe I should read the Bible. <clears throat> so I started reading the Gospel of Matthew, because it was the first book in the New Testament. I didn't want to read the Old Testament. I didn't think I would understand it. So I started with Matthew chapter one, verse one, and I just read a little bit every night. Now I was still at that job because of course I had been employed there, mm-hmm. but here's the timing that's very interesting. My my boss was on a, like a six week or more leave of absence and he wasn't there. So I couldn't go tell him 
that I couldn't do the astrology anymore, and he had left some sort of busy work for me. So I was kind of doing the busy work um, related to his, you know, to what the department did, but it was just kind of superficial work to keep me busy. So I was, I couldn't tell him I couldn't do the astrology. And so I just, I was just there doing busy work. And then I was reading uh, Matthew and a few days before Christmas, I got to Matthew chapter eight. That's how slowly I was reading. And I didn't really understand what I was reading, but I got to the account of Jesus on the boat with the disciples and the storm and how Jesus rebukes the sea and the wind. And this this account just completely captivated me, and I kept rereading it. And as I was rereading it, God opened my eyes to who mm. Jesus really was. Wow. I realized I was separated from God. I realized that the only way to be, and I don't think I thought the word reconciled, but I I knew the only way to be reconciled with God um, was through Christ. So I just wow. gave my life over to Christ. Awesome. And I knew immediately that I was a new person. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this all happened and I didn't have the words for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that I was a Christian now mm-hmm. and um, I didn't really understand anything else. I was really kind of at sea. And so I didn't really have anyone to talk to either. Now, um, except my sister who had been saved about a month before me, wow. but she didn't know much either. And she wasn't really in touch with anyone to help her. So we were both kind of, you know, we didn't have any guidance at that point. And, um, even the people at the church I was going to, when I explained this, um, the reaction was, why did you give us all this stuff? Wow. No, not not from the rector, but from yeah. other people. Um, and I just didn't know what to say because I couldn't explain it because I didn't really know anything. So this is so. I, this know, is I, I such could... a, an amazing testimony. I'm so glad we're hearing all of this because, <laughs> despite this church, sound, it sounds like you had a decent rector there. But even the spiritual condition of the people in the church that God was still moving in your life i mean, I, I mean i'm just right. marveling at how god will go the extra mile like you think of you know, jesus going after the leaving the 99 to go after the one and he'll even go into an environment right. where it will may not seem likely that you'll hear you know an integrity filled gospel though again your rector sounded pretty right. good but that's that's just amazing how jealous god is for his people oh i just love that how how zealous he is yeah. for his, his love and it shows that god doesn't need anybody really, although I, I do have a, a something to add to this, but it shows that even in that environment, mm-hmm. he can, he can, he will, he will do what he wants to do. That's right. And, yeah. um, or use who he wants to use or what he wants to no. use. So no. even though I was in sort of a spiritual, uh, probably what would be called a somewhat of a spiritual desert. Yeah. And I, but see, also, if I had gone to a more conservative or biblically-based church, right. I would have been told early on that astrology was wrong, and I probably would have left. See, that is—well, and that dovetails with my next question, because I think this is such a huge—I'm uh, so glad we we heard all of that testimony, because—and I mentioned this in the introduction as well, but you know, you, you didn't have a great affection for Christians or Christianity when all of a sudden God— 
started intervening in your life and he was drawing your heart to him. And even in this kind of spiritually suspect environment where, I mean, the cross and the procession, like his love waterfalled, water fell down on you. Um, But I think it's such a huge thing to consider because I've seen this dynamic in play in some churches where, you know, God bless them. They love the truth of scripture. They want to honor God and his word, but they really just screw up in their approach to people. Um, However correct their theology may be, it's like we have to love people where they are and understand that there are people that are coming in with all sorts of things that if they didn't have a background in faith, they're going to have a lot of questions and a lot of experiences that maybe will that will not make sense at all to you know Christians who have that where that's their heritage or whatever. And so it, could you explain how, you know, church people can love people who have and, and sort of approach people who come into the church perhaps spiritually hunger hungry like you were and to not just cut them down right away. I mean, that's just I mean, what an awful witness of the gospel to just cause offense so so abruptly. Can you just give some counsel as to just advice to people who come in with this kind of thing? How, how can the church people not freak out or communicate in a way that will create space for people with your background to belong before they believe? Yes, I do want to answer that, but I need to add that um, I found out a few months Christ that a young man at that place where I was working part-time mm-hmm. had been praying for me with a um, young adult group at his church. Oh, wow. And they they had been praying for me that whole year. This was and a young, so, not your boss, but someone who was, was working no, there no, with you. No, yeah. a worker. Yeah, right. yeah. And I, and I knew he was a Christian, and mm-hmm. he knew I wasn't. Because after I after I had worked there a short while, I started letting people know I was an astrologer, mm-hmm. although I did not indicate that was why I was there, of course. Right. And so he knew that, and he sort of uh, befriended me and would ask me questions about what I thought about things. He never told me astrology was wrong. He never told me to read the Bible or anything, but he was praying for me. Mm-hmm. Maybe he discerned that you know, trying to tell me something like that would just cause me to be resistant. I'm not sure, but he, he prayed with his, you know, felt burdened to pray for me with mm-hmm. the young adult group wow. he was in and they prayed for me. And I found that out in April. Um, so about a year after God started giving me that compulsion to go to a church is when I discovered that this young man had been praying for me. So wow. that's to encourage people to well, pray yeah, for pr- people. Absolutely. So, yeah, to answer your question, though, yeah, I think that if somebody comes in to church or even just comes across your path maybe as a coworker, and they are not a Christian and you know they're into something, maybe they're into astrology or maybe, you know, they're into tarot cards or some new age teaching or something, um, I think unless they ask you directly what do you think of this? Like, what do you think of astrology? Unless they ask that question directly, I think the thing to talk to them about is who Jesus is. Mm. I think that to to immediately condemn what they're doing, they're not going to understand why it's wrong, first of all, because they, you know, they don't, they don't know God, they don't know Jesus, they don't know the Bible, or even or they may know it and have a wrong understanding of it, or it may have been presented to them in a wrong way. 
So, you know, my, my thing would be if, if, if I, if I knew somebody was coming to my church, let's say, uh, was doing astrology and they had just started coming either because maybe someone invited them or they came out of curiosity mm-hmm. and I was introduced to them and I was talking to them, you know, I'd probably start ask maybe just asking them questions like, you know, why, why did you choose to, you know, do astrology? What is it that you, you find that it, how does how do you think it's helpful? And and uh, do you believe? Do you believe in Jesus? And what do you think about him? You know, I would I would go along that way. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say, you know, that God condemns astrology. Right. Now, if they ask me, you know, or if they said, I know astrology is against the Bible, mm-hmm. then I would say, yes. Do you, well, do you know why? Yeah. You know, can I explain to you? why God is, is against it. And, you know, I would be, I would just, I would just try to make, that's not the main issue. The main issue is that they need to know who Jesus Christ is. Right. And so whatever the issue is with them, I mean, they could be, another example would be, they could be a gay person. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't immediately tell them homosexuality is wrong unless they ask me, well, what does the Bible say about it? Okay. Then you have to give an honest answer in a loving way. Mm -hmm. But I would talk more about, I would talk about who Jesus is. I would ignore the the issues of their life because those issues, whether it's astrology or tarot cards or being gay or, you know, yeah, yeah, anything is part of their sin nature because they haven't been redeemed and they don't know. They don't know. Now they're accountable for it. You know, I was accountable for it, for what I did. Um, But no, the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts. That's we right. can't convict people right. of their sin. That's right. So even though I think we need to be clear on what sin is and, right. and that the church is for is for believers right. to disciple believers, right. if we have unbelievers in our midst, we need to try to share who Christ is with That's them the because the Holy that. Spirit will work. The Holy Spirit will work through as only He that. can. Yeah. Right. right. And if you can encourage them to read a Bible, you know, you maybe tell them to read, you know, one of, I think reading one of the gospels is right. the best maybe. Right. Um, and yeah. so that's, that's usually my approach with people who don't know Christ. And I, of course, my ministry is, is part is, you know, part of it is to educate Christians right. and the other part is to reach those in the new age right. and the occult. And that's always been my approach. I've talked to, you know, Wiccans and New Agers a lot over, I've been in full-time ministry 22 years. And so that's the, that's the approach that I use. That's great. Well, I want to just get into some basics here because uh, the occult is, um, there's quite a lot under it. There's a lot of things that apply, uh, you know, in that realm. Um, But let's just start off something more basic here. Um, And I, (laughs) When I was a kid, my, my mom is a very spiritually discerning woman, and she, I remember the comic strips were always next to the astrology, you know, the horoscopes and whatnot, and she would yeah. always, <laughs> she was always very, she's like, don't read those. You can read the comic strips, but don't read, don't read the horoscopes, and I, I always thought of it as nonsense and thought, you know, a lot of, I, that, that was my perspective on life, that a lot of people thought that was a bunch of nonsense, a bunch of hooey. But then uh-huh. I grew up and I realized just 
people asking people what their zodiac sign is and you know like people who are you know, educated and really rational thinkers they lend credence to all of these you know astrological signs and i'm just can you just explain for our listeners who maybe they think maybe they think astrology is nonsense or maybe they think horoscopes are, uh-huh. are a bunch of bunk but like what's the uh-huh. appeal of you know having the the stars sort of give you spiritual direction but also what's the harm in sort of uh, do, do you think like horoscopes are a really sort of dangerous entry point into more darker occultic kinds of things oh yes i think they can be yeah i think there's how, so? uh, how does I that work so, okay well the lure let me say the lure first is that astrology goes and actually a lot of things like numerology or tarot mm-hmm. cards it's because it's all about you it's going to give you information on you or your life or who you are. And everybody is very easily seduced by that. You know, it's, yeah. you know, even Christians get interested in, in sometimes in, oh, my sign, you know, I'm a, yeah. I'm a Capricorn, yeah. you know, so, and they may still identify that way even after becoming Christians. I've, I've had Christians ask me, why, why is it that my Zodiac sign fits me so well? Wow. So, you know, there's this there's this desire to believe, first of all, in some and for some people. Mm-hmm. Now, I find that people who are very the people who tend not to believe in astrology tend to be the skeptics. They tend to be the, you know, atheists, right. um, people who don't believe in the supernatural are mm-hmm. the people who tend not to believe in astrology. Right. So there's this lure for finding out who you are. Um, and finding out about your life. Now, the horoscope column itself, like in the newspapers and in most women's magazines, um, a lot of women's magazines, um, those are more general because they, they aren't specific to you. You know, they're just specific to that sign, maybe to that month. This month, this is what this month will be like for Taurus. You know, and this is what this month will be like for Gemini, and that's what you may see in the monthly magazines. But that's still kind of general. But the thing is, is that if you're reading it and it happens to be right or partly right, then you can very easily get interested in and or you can give a validity to it. So, you know, even if you're reading the newspaper thing and it says, today you will hear from an old friend. And then you do. Let's say you do. Mm-hmm. You know, let's say if somebody calls you that you haven't heard from in a long time, right. or you get a letter from them, or an email or something, and you and you're like, wow, you know, that's what my horoscope said would happen. And so then, of course, you're more interested in reading it the next day. It furthers the deception, and, right. right? Yeah, you keep reading because you think, you know, it was right, so it's bound to be right again. And then it may it may be right or seem right again because the you know you can just you know like they they say a broken clock is right twice a day right. so <laughs> just by coincidence it'll probably be right again so then you begin to think maybe there's something to it you know and then you think maybe and then maybe you get a book on your zodiac sign or you may even decide to go to an astrologer so um, now that for an for a non Christian who doesn't astrology is wrong that would be very easy to do you know but even christians can get sucked into this if they are in a crisis and they don't feel they're getting answers from the bible or in their prayers because Mm -hmm. i've talked to christians 
who were in those situations or they were in a state of grief and they so badly wanted to hear from their dead, you know, husband or Mm -hmm. their dead sister or something that they would go to a medium Mm -hmm. and they would tell themselves, they would rationalize it and tell themselves that God would not want them to be that grief stricken. And surely God will let me hear just one time from my dead husband. Mm -hmm. I've actually had Christians tell me this and they go to the medium. So, and, and then with astrology or psychics, it's, it's a similar thing. They can be in a crisis and they can say, well, I was, you know, praying and, and I wasn't getting answers from God. And remember, this is what happened with Saul. God right. had taken his spirit That's away from right. Saul because Saul had disobeyed God. And now the Philistines were coming and Samuel, the prophet, was dead and he had no one to get advice from. And he was desperate and right. he's he's thinking, I've got to somehow contact Samuel. I've got to get some advice. Um, the Philistines are coming. What do I do? Um, he didn't have God's spirit to guide him. He goes, he searches out the medium. Um, and Witch we of Endor. Men That's find such a, a fascin- yes. fascinating story in scripture. Yes, it is fascinating, and he and he and that's why he did it. It was mm-hmm. a moment of crisis, right. and that's what people do today. But here's so the thing, you can though. Get but, 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 into it, yeah, you but Marsha, here's the thing: the Witch of Endor actually did conjure up Samuel. I mean, that's like that's. I mean. That's that's the other thing. I mean, talking about horoscopes being right, but there's also the example in Scripture of you know in the apost in the, the Acts of the Apostles, the slave girl who was who had a spirit of divination who was making a lot of money for her for her masters. I mean, she was actually you know prophesying things. She she got the answer right. It was just by the wrong spirit. I mean, the reason that there well, is even well, she got some things right. right. We don't know how much she right. But the, but, but there I was she but she something. was correct. Go ahead. Yes, go ahead. I wanted to say something. Saul, the medium didn't bring up. I mean, Samuel, the medium didn't bring up Samuel. God did. Well, that's true. But that's how that yeah the I, medium didn't taken. because that, she right. cried out when she cried out when Samuel appeared because that true. was not what she expected of course and then and then Samuel because I've heard people say well that was really you know a, 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 a demon but no because first of all the account calls calls him Samuel right and secondly Samuel rebukes Saul for his disobedience to God and gives him the prediction that he and his sons will die in battle the next right. day. So no no demon could do that. No, so, of course not. I just find that, it interesting that, that God you know. showed up during a witch conjuring session. I mean like I mean that's I it's a yes. remarkable story. I I, I read that. Well you story. know what it was? It I, I did a Facebook post on it. It was a judgment on mm. Saul. Yeah. God right. used it as a judgment. Basically, God was saying, okay, you wanted Samuel. I'll give you Samuel, but it's not going to tell you what you want to hear. Mm. He's going to tell you what I want wow. you to hear. Yeah, that's right. That's and a great so insight. it was a judgment. And then what happens to Saul's bodies taken to the pagan right. temples for right. display? Right. You know, probably that's, the uh, horrible thing that could happen. Well, and so... Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> was quite a judgment. <laughs> but you know, Marsha, when I when I think about, I mean, I was I talking to Stephen Bancars about this in the first episode of this series where he's talking, I think the psychic industry, psychic services industry is, I don't know how many millions or maybe even billions of dollars. I don't think there's, there's mm-hmm. a lot of, mo- there is a lot of money in it. And what your words there just a moment ago of saying it really, it's all about you. And so thus there is something to, you know, <laughs> there's a service here that has has an appeal because we're all searching, we're all going through the pains of life. There's there's a 
there's a need here that they're they're you know marketing to and it 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 does appeal to people because we're all we all struggle with things and i'm I'm not surprised Mm -hmm. to hear about these christians who are so grief-stricken that the pain of life is just it is what it is Mm -hmm. it's it's just and that's you know jesus was familiar with suffering Mm -hmm. and he knows us in our grief but some you know Mm -hmm. in our in our futility and in our weakness i i totally sympathize with people who if they're searching for god and for whatever reason they're not hearing anything from him in their prayers or in in his word, it just you. I I totally get it. Um, far be it for me to you know condemn them for that because it's it's kind of normal in a sense. But um, how would you say that psychics do get things right? They don't get everything right, but they they do apprehend. They do stumble upon some truth that, then that's that's really the most nefarious part of the deception of this entire project because. It's you know the most lethal kinds of truth I think are that's which mixed with a lie. It's it's got enough in it right. to seem real, and it is. But it's um. So could you explain how it was that you were able to to sort of sort out that yeah maybe you were stumbling upon some patterns of truth while you were at, while you were employed as an astrologer versus oh, yeah, the truth of God's word. How did that? How was that able to be sort of? How did that filtering process? Oh yeah, happen? there are lots of reasons. There are lots of reasons how, how these things seem to work, whether it's a psychic or you know an astrologer or a tarot card reader. First of all, the client wants to believe. Mm. Okay, almost always they want to believe. I only had like two people who were skeptics that I did charts for, and they were convinced by the end of the reading. But most people want want to believe, and so that plays into it because then you have selective memory, and when the astrologer or psychic says something that is not correct or inaccurate, you kind of, you either forget it or you dismiss it, or you explain, or somehow you relate it to something true. You you will twist it in your mind to make it work. Um, or you just dismiss it and forget it, and you remember everything that was said that seems correct. Another thing that happens is that the astrologer or psychic will say something, um, and then the client will apply it specifically. Mm-hmm. So I could say something like, um, in the next three months, you're going to have some upsetting changes at your job. Okay. And so in the next three months, well, you know, there's a lot of things that can happen in someone's job that are upsetting. And so let's say they get a a new coworker who's just extremely difficult and makes life really hard for them. Then they'll think, well, you know, Marcia told me that I was going to have this upsetting Mm, situation at work and here it is, you know, Um, or they get their raise denied or something. So, you know, the, even though the the astrologer is really believing it and saying, yes, this, these upsetting things are going to happen, the client will take and apply it to specific things. Now, that's as far as, as forecasting goes, but that's not the main Yeah, right. Is to tell you about your life, who you are, what your potentials are, where your talents are, what your relationships are like, et cetera. And, you know, your money situation. I didn't really do money situation, but I did like job situation. And so the person is going to hear what they want to hear, apply things the way they want to apply them. 
uh, all of, and then there's all, also, you can't rule out the factor of coincidence. I think that plays into some of it, although mm-hmm. not most of it, because you're being very specific with the chart. You're looking at a lot of different factors. Um, and the other thing is the guidance that any serious psychic or astrologer, or medium, tarot card reader has has spirit guides, just like I did. Mm -hmm. And I believe that the spirit guides convey information. So these are actual demonic spirits. Yes, they're they're fallen angels, Mm -hmm. I call them. And they know about the person Mm -hmm. that you're talking to, and they can give you information. So I always felt guided through the chart. Usually I felt guided through it, like I would know where to start. I would kind of know the area to go to. As I spoke, things would come to me, you know, things would come to me to say. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I even had pictures in my mind. And um, this happened very, very often. In fact, I I told people that doing um, astrology enhanced my psychic abilities. Wow. Because I'd had a lot of psych, what would be you would call psychic experiences, and I felt doing astrology just enhanced it, and I think it did. Well, it feeds and off I, each other because it's all it's all the same deception, and so I can, yeah, I can sort of yeah. see how they would be one would yeah. strengthen the other and sort of self reinforce yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. exactly right. And then, of course, it seems not only are you convinced, but then the client's convinced that uh, this is a this is valid. Right. And then they go get you more clients, and then more people are right. deceived. Right. You know, right. and I was I was not just deceiving them with the with the chart. I was deceiving them with my spiritual advice because I was completely deceived. So I would recommend books or teachers who were you know new age. Right. And I would say, well, I think this book would help you, and it would be a new age book, you know. Wow. Or I would say, you know, I have a friend who's a psychic. And she's, you know, like a counselor. And if you're dealing with this right. situation, I think you should go see her. So, you know, you just lead, you just lead the person into more. Yes. And that's how it works. Right. You know? Well, my final question here as we wrap this up, Marsha, this has been really fun. I've loved hearing your story. And when we set out to do this series here at the Christian Post, we were the motivation for it was, you know, we see a lot of occultic themes being mainstreamed in popular media uh, more and more these days. It's pretty overt. Um, I've I've Mm -hmm. found myself kind of stunned at all the deception that gets woven into pop culture and music. And that's, that's not new, but it's just by the day, the contrast between good and evil has been is becoming more stark. I've, I've said that on er, practically every episode of this series and I'm, I'm just by the day I'm, yeah, it's just right there in our faces now. (laughs) But I also, I like to ask this question of guests who have come from, you know, variety of backgrounds and they've, they've emerged from whatever vice or whatever kind of, you know, life story. When you think of people who are ensnared in astrology or they're still, they're lost and they, they don't know the Lord and, people into new age, occult, witch, witchcraft, whatever it be, when you think about the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and his heart for people, could you describe what your take on sort of his heart for the new age and astrologers in 2020? What is God's heart for them? Well, I I think it's the same as it's always been because God doesn't change. I think that but what specifically? You know, God, I mean, he's 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 jealous for people, and obviously he's going to yes. reach people in every unique way. Right. So speak to his heart right. for for those who are ensnared in that. Yeah. Well, I I don't want to speak for God except for what he reveals in the Bible. Of course, so I'm going I'm going to go by you know what we know from the Bible, which is that you know he he is willing that none should perish, mm-hmm. 
and um, that I think God, you know, has revealed the truth. Um, He's revealed the truth through his word, through Jesus Christ. I think that people in the New Age are, they are spiritually seeking, and they think they have found the path, but they're deceived. But I think my my story shows that nobody is beyond the reach Mm, of God. So no matter how hardened they are or how resistant they are to Christianity or to anybody talking to them about Jesus, God can still reach them. So I don't should write any anybody off. We should never write anyone off. And we should be at least willing to, you know, if we were burdened for that person, be willing to pray for them, even if we can't talk to them, even if they don't want to go to church with you or whatever, don't write them off and say, well, that person, you know, is just lost and they're never going to believe. I think that's really wrong. God wants us to you know, always have the hope that is in Christ, that God can redeem anyone. And I think that that's shown in a lot of different biblical accounts as well about the kind of people that God reaches. You know, there's some very unlikely people that (laughs) he reaches in the Bible, like Paul is a very good example. And, you know, in the Old Testament, there's some people that were, you know, just, you know, you, you, there aren't people that if you had seen them, you would think they would believe in Abraham was raised in a pagan culture, right. you know, and God called him out of a, a pagan culture and he believed in God. And Paul was a zealot for the, the Jews who were persecuting the church and God reached him. So God shows us that he cares for people who are deceived, even if they seem hardened. And so that would, that would be a point. That's a point I like to make because think I was very hardened and I looked very I looked like a very unlikely person to become a Christian but yet that young man prayed for me with that group at his church <laughs> 